0: Hey, Yogi, Sarah Burchard here, and you are listening to Yoga Unplugged Conversations, a show dedicated to helping you grow, thrive, and gracefully make tough decisions so you can lead a happier, healthier life. On this show, we discuss common challenges that everyone can relate to and apply philosophy and practical tools that have been proven to be effective solutions. Today's guest is Kilti Inafuku, a former engineer turned yoga teacher who is trained with the likes of Jason Crandall and Sean Korn. She leads incredible yoga retreats all over the world. She just returned from one in France and is headed to Patagonia next. In between retreats, Kilti also travels almost monthly on her own. I invited her on the show today because I'm particularly interested in how traveling enriches her yoga practice. Full disclaimer, Kilti is one of my favorite yoga teachers on Oahu. I take her class every Sunday morning in town at Power Yoga. And I was first drawn to her because her style is very similar to what I was used to practicing in San Francisco. She breaks down the mechanics of the postures in a very deliberate way so that you are moving through each one safely and with laser-like intention. And she places a huge importance on strengthening in relation to mobility. I'm always amazed at how thoughtful each sequence has been put together and how well she preps our bodies for each peak pose. She also ends the class with an insightful thought, that always feels like it applies perfectly to my life in that moment and is exactly what I need to hear. And we both love geeking out on (laughs) self-development, yoga philosophy, and habit building. So because of that, I am super excited to talk to her today. Kilti, welcome to the show.
1: Ah, thank you. That was, oh, you just made me blush so much.
0: (laughs) Kilti, before we get into today's topic, can you please share with us how you ended up teaching yoga and what kind of training you went through to get where you are today?
1: Yeah, sure. I, so I had zero like, negative amounts of intention to actually teach yoga. Um, I first got into it when I was in college. Uh, it was essentially just a physical outlet for me and a study break. And one of my girlfriends, one of my roommates actually, She was going to this little studio in Santa Monica called Yoga Hop, which blends yoga and loud hip hop pop music, which is so the opposite of anything that attracts me now to a yoga practice yeah I was gonna say was, that sounds
0: nothing like your classes
1: <laughs> it's like <laughs> Katy Perry blasting music sweat dripping everywhere <laughs> and well the
0: sweat um, part maybe yeah <laughs> sweat
1: part. but just like oh you know, it was just so much fun and it didn't feel like any sort of you know hippity dippity let's chant yoga and all of that it like it was very far from the stereotype of what I had pinpointed yoga as And it was just fun. It was just, it was, you turn your brain off and you just move and there were some really powerful teachers there. And so that's what initially got me interested in the practice and what kind of cracked the door open. And I think a lot of people can probably resonate with that in the sense of you show up for a very physical reason or just curiosity out of what can this do for me. Mm -hmm. And once I don't know. I just kept coming back because there was a little something that piqued my interest. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I ended up moving and the closest yoga studio was this donation-based studio. And I found, well, it actually wasn't a donation-based studio. There was a single donation-based yoga class. And as a broke college student, I said, well, that's the best I can do. So I'm going to go to that. And I kept showing up in the teacher his name is Jayco he's my very first yoga teacher let me rephrase that he's the teacher that I took my first teacher training with Mm. and um, what I really valued about him specifically in his teaching style is he made it just so casual to the point of it wasn't about necessarily the mechanics of yoga it just felt like easy approachable for everyday average joe and anyway he saw i was coming every single night and he said you're here all the time kilty you might want to think about taking a training just you know to keep you on the learning journey to keep you interested and ironically as a graduation gift for graduating from engineering school my mom got me a yoga teacher training.
0: Hmm. And She's like, here's some more school for you.
1: <laughs> I mean, I was stoked. I've really been wanting to, to learn more. I just, you know, that wasn't something that was in my budget. Mm-hmm. And um, so she got me this yoga teacher training, and I graduated from that program as well as uh, UCLA around the same time. And little did she know that that gift would actually become... <laughs> my career at some point in the future. Yeah. Um, Wow. Which I find comical because bless my parents, they, you know, paid for my full college degree. And it wasn't an easy journey for me to tell them, Hey, I'm going to not do the thing that I told you I was going to do. And instead I'm going to go down this other path.
0: Yeah. Which you also supported at one point.
1: (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Remember, you were the one that did, that did this. Um, no, it's it's. They're so supportive and never said I shouldn't do it. But of course, you can just hear the tone in your parents' voice, or at least I was projecting that. So anyway, so, so that's how I first got into how I ended up taking my first yoga teacher training. It was very much so a, a physical outlet for me and just a way for me to turn off my brain and not focus on studying. Mm. And every class I walked away, like you said, just with that little nugget of wisdom of wow, this practice actually applies in my everyday life. Like I don't think about it throughout the day, but this is, you know, the thing that the teacher said is it's just this little nugget of wisdom. Like that's pretty cool. So fast forward, I ended up moving back home to Hawaii and got a full-time engineering job, a staff engineering position. And stuck with it for a little over a year and then after that year I it wasn't that I hated the job I just didn't love it so I quit and my intention was actually to pursue other positions other engineering positions or find a more creative outlet to use my degree in Mm -hmm. and as quote-unquote temporary income (laughs) Mm. I started teaching more and more yoga and after a certain point I realized you know what, with my very limited bills and responsibility, I can actually make it by on a yoga income. And I really value the lifestyle. I really value being able to make my own schedule, the lifestyle of a, I guess, entrepreneur or business owner rather than a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I but, think what we
0: should you know, be transparent. You also have a, another uh, side job too. Yes,
1: yes, 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 absolutely. Um, and I was very fortunate at the time that's a very good point i'm glad you bring that up when i did decide to actually give a go at making yoga a career i gave myself a one year timeline of i have enough financial cushion that i could not work for the next year and still be okay mm-hmm. and so if by that one year mark and granted i didn't set any actual you know metrics or I didn't take any metrics to be able to gauge that but if within the next year I don't feel successful enough, whatever that meant, then I can always go back to engineering. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, I was really diligent in, you know, taking on more classes, trying to offer workshops and collaborating with other teachers that by the end of the year, I actually did feel successful enough. And I had a partner at the time who was also very supportive in multiple ways. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what allowed me to continue to pursue that. And then just to speak to finances, a couple years later, I ended up uh, renting out a room via Airbnb. We had an extra room in our house. So that certainly helped to support bills. And now, fast forward however many years, I've gotten myself into online copy editing, which Mm -hmm. is very it's a very interesting job. And oddly enough, I love grammar, so it works very well with my personality type and it's not at all related to yoga, which is nice to give that part of my brain a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, yes, I, yeah, no, it's, I think there's a lot of pressure for teachers and I don't know where this come. I don't know if it's, if it's some sort of self-imposed expectation or, um, society projection, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure for teachers to be able to say, I teach yoga exclusively. That is my only form of income. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I really don't know where it comes from. I certainly felt that self-induced pressure and it's silly. I don't, I don't know where it comes from. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. What would you
0: say your philosophy is when it comes to teaching yoga?
1: On it, while it may sound cliche, I think my biggest philosophy, and I find myself repeating this in classes a lot, you can agree or disagree, is that the, pract- the studio and, and the yoga mat and the physical asana practice really is just this little laboratory to practice what I hope to invite into my life outside of the mat. So what mm-hmm. you practice on the mat is what you hope to see off the mat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, And so that could show up in so many different ways, right? Do I want to cultivate patience? Do I want to build resiliency? And if that is the case or whatever it is I'm looking to invite into my life, how can I be purposeful and mindful enough to introduce a very specific challenge where I am reminded to practice patience or practice resiliency or, you know, you can fill in the blank. hmm
0: yeah, I remember in one of the classes you taught a few weeks ago we were uh it was like in twisted crescent pose and you were having us concentrate on our breathing and saying that, you know, in this like very kind of awkward pose where you're all twisted up and you're trying to breathe deep. This is a really good analogy for when you're off the mat in the real world and you're in a really like uncomfortable situation and you you have to be calm and and breathe and i have actually used i like, i've actually been in situations and i just remembered you saying that in that mm. twisted pose and i'm like just take a breath like just try to try to breathe as calmly as i can through this um, because yeah. it's not and it's not going to be calm breathing because you can't because you're literally twisted <laughs> but yeah but the but the intention is to try
1: yeah And I think one thing that I really value about introducing a very physically demanding posture, as simple or complex as it may be, let's say this crescent twist, that will, in my mind, that will always be infinitely easier than dealing with the breakup or the challenging conversation (laughs) or the crisis at work, right? Like That has very, no one actually cares if I do the pose or not, but- (laughs) It has nothing to do with the pose. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like the outcome of me actually getting into that pose has zero impact on the world around me. Mm -hmm. But the outcome of the conversation certainly does. Like that will create some sort of karma or future effect on the people that are involved. So and I think that you constantly
0: making that distinction and reminding us of that. That and also like your constant cues throughout the class, I always really appreciate that. Like, because you know it's easy to let your mind drift, even when you're in a yoga class trying to listen to instructions. It's super easy to (laughs) let your mind drift, and and when you're constantly being like, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, like you're like walking us through the entire way, it like it just keeps bringing you back to the moment. And totally. um, yeah, and I, I'm always amazed by the fact that no matter how much you leave the island throughout the year, which is a lot, you are always traveling, <laughs> your students always stick around uh, and show up for class when you're gone and when you return.
1: Uh, that makes and, me so happy to hear.
0: I mean, but you know this because you see the same people as when you left. I mean, this doesn't happen with all teachers. You know, a lot of times yeah. when teachers keep taking off, people lose interest yeah. and give up on you. Um, for sure but your students are really loyal i think that speaks a lot to the quality of class like they're like well thank I'm just you i'm gonna wait around <laughs> it's like i really <laughs> want them to come back yeah. so i'm just gonna be here and also well, i think too like they, it is a pretty dedicated group like they're dedicated yeah. to practice too and you know if you if you say oh i'm just not gonna go while well, kilty's not here then you're gonna fall out of the habit of going to your class and then then you're gonna get in the habit of like missing classes when you're back so yeah totally that's the best
1: and I, um, the board What I'm so happy to hear about is to hear that the students are still going. Well, I'm not there because I there's no way I really can monitor that. Yeah, um, no, they are.
0: The classes are just as full usually.
1: I think it's also a reflection, not necessarily just on me, but on the subs that I get. I'm I mm-hmm. as much as po- as much as I can. I try to find teachers that have a similar style or some consistent thread that I know the students will resonate with, which is something that I resonate with. So as much as possible, I want to make sure that it's not just whoever is free to teach a class will sub the class, but the consistency I think is, is really key.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. So let's talk about what you're doing when you're off the Island. Um, yeah. Cause it's not always to host a retreat, although you do do that a lot. You're also mm-hmm. going to trainings And going on adventures. And what are some of these experiences that you go on when you leave that? Totally.
1: So, yes, part of it is either leading a retreat, uh, which I'm really grateful and uh, fortunate to have found a company that allows me to do that in a sustainable way, Mm -hmm. but also taking trainings. And if there's one thing I've learned as a teacher, and if there are any other yoga teachers listening to this, I hope you resonate with it. It's that. I know I stagnate like to an extreme amount if I'm not learning something and I get excited to share things that I've learned. So if I'm not reading something, if I'm not in a training or if I'm not having just come back from a training, then what I'm sharing in class starts to feel very stagnant and starts Mm -hmm. to feel very, I don't want to say boring, but I'm just not as interested in recounting that information or passing along that information. So Mm -hmm. I have definitely been to a handful of classes where I could tell the teacher's kind of just on autopilot and I don't blame them because if you're not feeding yourself new information, you are going to go on autopilot and it's not fun for either side of the teacher or the student. So definitely going to trainings is something that lights me up. It fills my cup. And fortunately, it just happens to be in the line of work that that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, so. and those trainings, I mean, they help your teaching, but they also help your personal yoga practice too.
1: Totally. Yeah, yeah. and Which it's just you- a, it's such a powerful way to connect with other people, other like-minded individuals, um, mostly yoga teachers that I wouldn't have otherwise met. You know, there's mm-hmm. no way I would have gone to Ohio or to michigan or to i don't know whatever other states um, yeah
0: yeah nobody's nobody from hawaii is like oh i'm gonna go on a vacation oh where are you going oh i'm going to ohio yeah <laughs>
1: like yeah. why <laughs> no offense to ohio or anything but sure. <laughs> i mean the beaches in hawaii that's pretty nice Um, No. So going to trainings with some bigger name teachers, or I guess more established and master teachers gives me an opportunity to connect with other teachers from smaller communities that I wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to connect with. And one of those individuals specifically, he's from, his name is Nam. He is based in San Diego and he's an incredible teacher. And I ended up signing up for a hands-on adjustment training with him. And that's where I've gotten most of the hands-on adjustments that I use in my classes now. And so it's just, it's this weird and awesome way of connecting the dots, connecting different communities. Mm-hmm.
0: And then you also go like mountain climbing and <laughs> I mean, you're, you do know, all kinds yes, of crazy yes, things.
1: Yes. So usually I try to plan ahead where if I'm either leading a training or or retreat or taking a training, either a week or two before or after that, I will stay in that place and explore around that area. My partner, he's (laughs) quite the nomad. People (laughs) will ask him, so where do you live? And he basically lives out of his backpack if he's not with me in Hawaii or Uh um, chasing surf. And he's a, I guess you would call him a Adventure journalist or a surf journalist, but he has the ability to travel as well and work remotely. So, wherever it is that I need to be for a training or retreat, let's say, we'll plan to stay in that area a little longer and explore the different sporting communities. So, I surf, I snowboard, I mountain bike, and I rock climb. Mm -hmm. And so, wherever we go, there's usually one of those four sports as a prominent activity in that area so it's a great, travel is just such a great way to connect with whatever existing community you are a part of and see how that community, you know, experiences that sport or that activity or that practice in a different part of the world. Oh sometimes it's
0: Absolutely. very
1: similar and sometimes it is so different. It's just, it's fun. It's, it's, it's so interesting to see how people in different parts of the world experience the same thing.
0: Yeah. Or, and so this is along those same lines, but a little different. I mean, yoga and traveling have a lot in common, I think. You know, both are about opening your mind and, you know, staying curious and accepting and setting aside what you think you know, setting aside your ego in the way you're, you know, that's the way you're going to learn and have life-changing experiences that help develop your character. Totally. Um, And I went to Ireland this year over the summer, and I packed my yoga pants, hoping to find some studios and catch a few classes. But in the 12 towns we drove through, I didn't see a single yoga studio. (laughs) I never even noticed Uh. any gym outside of like a couple Uh. that hotels we stayed in. And because of that, I was like, "Okay, maybe my yoga practice is not going to include asana on this trip. <laughs> maybe instead, yeah, it's going to be how can I incorporate my practice into the new experiences I'm having." Totally. And also accepting that okay, Ireland is not really about yoga.
1: <laughs> and don't get me wrong; I'm sure there are
0: tons of people practicing yoga in Ireland. Yeah. But what I was seeing was people going to work. And then meeting up afterwards at the neighborhood pub. Yeah. So why would I resist their culture and seek out the one yoga studio somewhere that might be a hassle (laughs) to get to, when Uh. I can instead experience the island for what it is and submerge myself into what they do there, Uh, and and then really like learn about the place and not just like transplant my life here to another place. Like that—that's not the reason why you travel, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so I ended up, you know, I ended up visiting farms and, you know, I mean, and then the whole island is just covered in farms, like cow farms specifically, all over the island. So I, you know, I tried amazing cheeses and ice cream and pastries and the dairy there is amazing, amazing gin too. And I experienced pub life, the way they do it there, which is much different than how we do it here in the U.S. It's not so much about the drinking as it is, connecting with your community. Yeah. Yeah. It was totally it was awesome. And, and I'm just like how you experience rock climbing and surfing and things like that in other places. For me, it's like, it's about, okay, let's, let's experience what they experience here, like the way they do it. And I think that's the best way to learn about the place that you're visiting.
1: Totally. How
0: has the practice of yoga enriched some of your experiences off island? Like let's, let's talk about the reverse instead of how it has enriched your practice. Like how has your yoga enriched some of your experiences?
1: I can't say that the physicality of the practice has really enriched um, my travel or my experiences beyond the fact of like, if I'm sitting in an airport or a plane for hours and hours, then I crave, you know, movement. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly some of the philosophies and underpinnings of this practice, like in an airport specifically, right? I'm sure you and anyone listening can (laughs) resonate with the very clear and vivid image of an irate customer just shouting at the poor gate agent who can't do anything to help them with a delayed flight or you know whatever it is and so I'll witness this and just think like wow it's it's absurd to be yelling at someone for something that you or they cannot control and so it just seems so outlandish and then at the same time I've totally been in the position of the really frustrated person that I just want to shout at anyone in front of me so it's it it gives me a bird's eye perspective or the practice has reminded me to take a bird's eye perspective in situations where I can't control anything yeah Um, and it also reminds me of I guess what my to take with me to these different places what my non-negotiables are coffee is one of them it's, <laughs> <laughs> I can't I don't want to call it a vice but you might and so in that as much as I appreciate a really good cup of coffee I'm also not a coffee snob and I'm more than happy to drink the instant cup of coffee if that's all that's available so I always bring just a couple extra little packets of coffee mm-hmm. um, and that like my morning cup of coffee and kind of just quiet time whether it's Actual meditation or just sitting peacefully and enjoying nature outside—that is a non-negotiable to me. Like a peaceful, quiet morning.
0: Yes, me too. Uh. That's
1: it. It's a must-have. Yeah. yeah, and yes, there are times when that will not happen and cannot happen. And so, in those situations, again, we look at the practice of yoga, and if we even take it to Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, right? Like you can't control everything, and And so if we look at the first yama, let's say, the first limb of the eight limbs, ahimsa is the first yama. It's the practice of non-harming. So am I harming myself or am I harming those around me by getting really upset at the fact that I can't have my own cup of coffee in the morning? And anyway, so point being, it's a non-negotiable for me to take certain things from my life to wherever it is that I'm going and also recognize that I won't be able to Have my life as it normally is, and that's the purpose of going to these other places,
0: yeah. Well, and it's also, it sounds like you prepare yourself for that, too. Yes, you know, like there's a good chance this place is not going to have coffee, so I'll just (laughs) pick this up thing, you know. And then the fact that you're um, pretty low maintenance about it really helps, (laughs) yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's you know, having to like kind of like stick and move with things when they don't work out, it's like no matter how while you plan and research, something will inevitably go wrong. So totally. how quickly how can you move to plan B? And if yeah. you aren't having a good time, how quickly will you abort <laughs> and, yeah. and move on to something else? <laughs> you know.
1: Oh gosh. Very, very much so. Very, <laughs> um, very much so. One of
0: my so my, one of my favorite humans that has ever lived, who was also one of the greatest travelers who ever lived, in my opinion, is Anthony Bourdain. Yes, and he I mean, he he was a strong believer in you know planning his own trips and skipping tourist destinations and just kind of going out on your own. But he's got a, one of his books. I've got them all, but one of his books, No Reservations, based on the show one of his travel tips is be impulsive. Mm. And he says, happy accidents, those perfect meals and experiences happen only to those bold enough to let them happen. You can't find the perfect meal. It finds you.
1: Oh, that's so true.
0: It's so true. And it's not just about meals too. I mean, yeah. any, like you said, any, it could be an experience too. But I think, you know, I, and I am a planner and I, I plan you know, and I pack my days, but that's just because that's how I am in general. I pack my days when I'm yeah. at home too, you know. So <laughs> I always like to have like yeah. a agenda, but then I, you know, I, but I always leave like plenty of time in between things so that I can just yeah. wander
1: and just yeah.
0: discover. Like I, so before we went to Ireland, or even in Ireland too, I did this, but before we went to Ireland, we went to London for three days, and I had, you know, like true to form, probably 20 restaurants I wanted to check out in that span of time. Uh, But uh, there was (laughs) still time for me to just kind of roam. And I mean, walking around the streets of London is, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it is uh, amazing. There's something to discover around every corner. So I just, I really started to embrace just kind of showing up To a town or a city, and just like, you know, maybe packing, maybe even packing my laptop, and like just going for a walk, and then like stumbling upon a coffee shop, and maybe I like write for a little bit or whatever, but really just seeing where the streets take you, and just winding up somewhere, anywhere.
1: Totally, it's. I think it was Jason Crandall who shared this analogy, and I continue to use it in the trainings that I offer, but if I, let's say you're learning about anatomy. Yes, it's valuable and important to know the names of the bones and the muscles and this and that, but at the end of the day, I don't, like as a yoga teacher and not a medical professional, Mm -hmm. I actually don't really care about the names of all the bones and the ligaments and the tendons and the muscles and all of that. I care that students move with purpose and awareness and intention and it's the same as exploring a new city. Like if I if I want to invite you over to my house, let's say for coffee again, <laughs> 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 um, I actually don't care if you know the names of the streets and the how you actually get to my house. I just care that you get to my house. Right. So if I'm gonna go explore a new place, yes, it might be helpful to know the names of certain streets and landmarks. But I actually don't really care about the names of the streets. I, it's going to be much more valuable information if I spend time walking through the streets and getting familiar with it based on first-hand experience, not just looking at a map.
0: Yeah, because at the and, end of the day, when you come back to your hotel room, you're going to be like, you're going to remember just certain
1: experiences that you had. Totally. Yeah. And same with, I realized this on the last retreat that I hosted in, in France. Whether you're an event planner or a chef or a yoga teacher or whatnot, if you host any sort of event, you can curate as much and plan as organize as much as possible. you know for these first five minutes we're going to do introductions and then the next half hour we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. but the connections that happen between people are the like the little unplanned conversations in between all of those things
0: mm. Mm-hmm. you know,
1: and it's no amount of planning and curating can ever substitute for the one-on-one small conversations that you have with people that you didn't think you were actually going to have. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's like when, you know, and, and I do this in, in all the places that I visit, but I just keep, you know, that was, this is the freshest in my memory was when I was in uh, London or even in Ireland, you know, like walking into a pub and, Sitting down and just you know they're so friendly there and and they want to have a conversation like that like that's all they want to do is they want to totally. hang out in the pub and and talk so yeah. um, <laughs> so you know you you remember those those conversations and, and the talks and you know I've got like pictures with like total strangers and and I'm totally. just like man that was and you just leave there feeling so good and you're like wow that was a great conversation and I will never see that person again. Or, you know, hear from them again. But yeah, it was really cool. And it, you know, it changes your life a little bit at a time. Changes who you are.
1: It's this feeling of connection Mm -hmm. that even though you won't, you probably won't ever see this person again, there's a feeling of connection. And that's, I mean, if we go down to the root word of yoga, right? Yuj, the Sanskrit term, Y-U-J, it means to yoke or to unite. And it's, Mm building or rather seeing these connections that already exist that we didn't know were there. Right. So when you go, you know, walking through that town or walk into that pub, you don't plan, well, I'm going to talk to the owner of this business and find out his life story and, you know, (laughs) talk to his wife and blah, blah, blah. You just go with an open mind thinking it'd be cool to see what I see. And if it's, you know, I, if I meet one person, great. If I don't, maybe I'll enjoy my beer or whatever it is, but there's... Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been times where we're just like nothing has happened too, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But you just kind of stay open to like the possibility, like if, if you kind of get that glimmer of like somebody who starts talking to you about something, even if it's something that you think isn't particularly interesting in the moment, you never yeah. know what that might lead to. Totally. Yeah. So I always I always pay attention. Like what is, what is this person trying to tell me? And then, you know, and then maybe like, what it is is somebody else chimes in and then they're super interesting or, you know, and then yeah. it leads to something else. Or maybe it'll lead to a good recommendation for another place.
1: Yeah, completely. Yeah.
0: Just being open to, to what other people have to offer you. As, and especially I think when you're traveling, you know, everybody wants to tell you about their town. Everybody's yeah. proud of certain things. Um, whether it be a restaurant or a landmark or a park or you know, whatever, I get too many recommendations usually, and I'm just like, hey, you know, you almost feel bad because you can't, you know, you want to go to them all, but you can't totally. What do you recommend for people who love to travel or who want to travel but can't afford it?
1: Oh man, that's a good one. I mean, there's If it, so I feel like Hawaii is a little different because it's so isolated and getting Mm -hmm. off the rock is financially, I think a bigger hurdle than let's say just taking a weekend road trip uh, on the mainland, let's say. Yeah. But there's certainly no shortage of work exchange opportunities. Mm, Yeah. Um, So even woofing, um, W-O-O-F, world or w. WW, Worldwide Organization of Organic Farming, I think Mm -hmm. is what it stands for. But you can go go onto this website and (laughs) find a farm and volunteer your time in exchange for food and board. And the details of the exchange are always dependent on the actual farm or couch surfing, right? Find someone who's willing to lend you their couch. And that's a pretty big network of people to stay with. So as like work exchanges and like the whole barter system is a really valuable thing that I know kind of gets put off to the wayside. I think when we, a lot of people think of vacation, they think, okay, that's money because it's airfare and a hotel and this and that, but it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as you're willing to kind of think outside the box of a stereotypical vacation, then you, I can definitely travel affordably.
0: Yeah, I have another friend who lives here who does that a lot too, and I I have to find out the website from her because she uses another website that will connect you with all kinds of experiences, not just farms. But she cool. went and worked on a vineyard in France, and yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean she's like done all different kinds of work experiences, and um, and then while you're there, you just you take it in, and then yeah. also you're living with locals, so totally. Um, What better way to get in with the local community and see
1: how people live there? I can send you a couple of the websites that I have used and continue to use, and you can include those in the show notes if you'd like. Perfect, yeah. But Trusted House Sitters is another one where – you can go anywhere in the world, stay at someone's house for free in exchange for watching their pet while they're mm. on vacation. <laughs> okay. Which is like the ultimate initiation into local community because you, you know, walk someone's dog and then their neighbor's like, hey, you're walking Joe's dog. What are you doing? <laughs> and it's like an immediate conversation starter, right? Yeah. So that's a nice way to do it. And then I'm a I'm a fan of I'm I always hesitate a little bit, um, but I'm a big proponent of using credit card points to travel and there's Mm. a whole system that you can work behind that and the reason I hesitate is because I don't know how people are with their finances and I never want to be responsible for (laughs) telling someone to get a credit card and they don't use it appropriately yeah Um, but yes um, credit card points are a really great way to travel if you know how to operate that system And, and one of those the whole couch surfing thing or getting on these other websites that offer work exchanges, you can be the person in your own community that hosts travelers. And in doing so, you create these friends and then you can go stay with your new friends
0: wherever their home is. Yeah, I, so I host a farmer's market tour on the weekends in Kakako, And there's been several times when a guest on my tour has given me their card or contact info at the end and said next time you're in hong kong or you know wherever they live you know seattle you know anywhere they're like uh call me up and i'll show you around my town and where i like to go eat i was like totally deal
1: yeah so yeah you got to reciprocate hugely so hugely so but if you're immersed in whatever community you're immersed in and like obviously this is a yoga community that we're talking with and to, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: those different communities have the places that they go to travel. Mm -hmm. And so if you link up with a friend and in this case, maybe it's, you know, a student of mine coming to a yoga retreat, or maybe it's a girlfriend saying, Hey, I'm going to this silent meditation thing in, I don't know, India or Bali or wherever. And you want to come with me. And so having connections within your community Will also foster some amount of travel, or can foster that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: if you're looking for it. Any
0: other travel tips for traveling either abroad or to a place you've never been before?
1: Hydrate. <laughs>
0: yeah, and maybe bottled water, but depending yes. on where you are.
1: <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, though, though do drink do hydrate do drink water being in the air is very dehydrating if that's your mode of travel but also just you're consum- you're it's you're in a new surrounding and in, in a new place and that can be overwhelming in great ways and so just maintaining your own nutrition is is key mm, um and yeah. then i also am a big fan of bringing my own utensils and tupperwares mm-hmm. or gla- food containers that always makes things i think usually a little easier and it makes me feel a little better that i'm not stomping on mother earth as much as i could be
0: <laughs> well there's that but then there's also i mean you can now you have the luxury to like go to the store and, and buy yeah. some food and mix up some food from the store and not have to you know not have to eat out and then if you had uh, you know leftovers or whatever you have totally. something to take it around in yeah that's a good tip what are some of the things that you pack with you when you go on a yoga retreat
1: Journal, hugely so. Oh, yeah. I, a, I do enjoy writing, but more often than not, it's just to take notes and write down things that I know I might forget about. As much as I love to use travel as a way to disconnect, I also find it a necessity to bring my phone because that also serves as my camera just for memory's sake. Mm-hmm. And a good book, very definitely a good book, which, by the way, I know you're a book person. I just started reading. Jitterbug perfume. Hmm. I think you'll really appreciate it. it. Has nothing to do with yoga or this podcast, but it's a <laughs> <out>. good.
0: <laughs> do you like when you when you're traveling, is there a particular type of book that you like to bring? Like, you know, like depending on what the trip is. Sometimes I'll mm-hmm. like to bring like a good personal development book, yeah. or sometimes if it's not that kind of a trip, I'll bring um Like maybe something like Ruth Reichel, like who's like a Mm. you know this amazing food writer, and I just you know read her food writing just because it's beautiful writing, and so I just enjoy that. But is there any like particular theme that you like to take?
1: Honestly, I no. My biggest suggestion is bring a book that you actually want to read because then you'll make time for it. Yeah. Um, And if you're, you know, like pining through different lists and recommendations from friends, just pick something that sounds like genuinely sounds interesting to you. And the reason I offer that is because I love self-help books. I love yoga philosophy texts, but there's only so much of it that I can read before, not before I'm bored, but so much information that I can take in intellectually. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, (laughs) this sounds terrible, but kind of like turning on the TV at night I kind of just want something to not be super intellectual about so if I'm reading a fiction book it's just entertainment and- yeah
0: it's just enjoyment you know that's the reason why I loved eat pray love so much is because it was entertaining but then there was things weaved in throughout that yeah. you, you know you where you learned at the same totally. time Totally. Um, Yeah. So books like that are really great for traveling because I'm I'm with you. It's like you don't want something too heavy.
1: And it's not even just the weight of it, but because I do actually enjoy reading, you know, these quote unquote heavier books. Mm -hmm. If that's all I'm reading, it just it ends up being too much. Mm -hmm. So I need to give myself a little bit of a break with something a little lighter, or I don't know, like Law and Order SUV, but book version.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's my book. I think bugger. I yeah. I think I brought like three or four books on my trip to Ireland. I'm like crazy with books. I, I just like I don't know. I think it just makes me feel better to have like several books going yeah. like at all
1: times. And it's actually a really fun way to exchange with someone else that you meet mm-hmm. in your travels if they're also a book person. It's fun to exchange a book with, with them.
0: Mm, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So maybe like bring something that you're not super attached to, like that you really yeah. loved it, but you wouldn't mind giving it away. Totally. Yeah. That's cool. It's a great tip. Where have you never been, but would like to go?
1: I would love to go to Bhutan. I don't know why exactly I have a calling to go there, but it's always interested me and intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Alaska, which I know is very doable and I've never been there. I'd say those are probably the top two places. I would like to explore more of Europe, that's for sure.
0: And where's your are...
1: next retreat taking you? Heading down to South America to Patagonia in Chile and that'll definitely be a little bit more of an adventurous retreat, so it's yoga and meditation once or twice a day and then during the day it's we're going to go mountain biking and rafting and sup paddle boarding and hiking and all the things Mm. Um, whereas the other retreats that i've led they were definitely not all of them um, but like france was much more of a let's lounge and appreciate the slow living culture whereas patagonia is you know let's go out and and like really move and and adventure Mm. and explore around
0: cool and again, I mean, it speaks to the place, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And uh, have you planned the next one after that? or?
1: I haven't yet. So if you have any suggestions, please let me know.
0: So how does that work? Do you have a list of places that you can go to
1: through this company? Or do you choose? So the company is called The Travel Yogi. I have nothing but incredible things to say about them. There's a handful of other companies that have modeled their businesses after what the travel yogi does. But the way it works is they have vetted out a handful of locations across the globe. So it's owned and operated by women. Two women specifically started the company and they've gone to whatever location. So Patagonia in this example or in this scenario. And they've gone on all of the adventures that that I'll be taking the yogis on. Mm -hmm. They've stayed at the places that we're staying. So they've really vetted it out because that was a, that's definitely a concern, like a place and a retreat and something with pictures online can look incredible. And then when you get there, it's actually just like, oh yeah, yeah, (laughs) fill in the blank. Yes. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) So. I have so much trust in this company, which is why I, I love working with them. They've really curated and organized and created a solid agenda of things that represent the local culture mm. uh, and experiences that contribute to that. And, and so anyway, I, I, they announced the retreat to their people who have gone on retreats with them before. I announced the retreat to my people, the students and individuals on, on Oahu that I teach regularly. And then we get those people who are interested to go on a trip with us. And it's rad.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. And you do how many of these a year?
1: I've been doing one a year. This pa- this year I did two, um, but one of them was a benefit retreat for the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I would love to do more, but the reality of <laughs> my pull of being able to tell people, Hey, come on this you know pricey retreat is um, I can't be asking too much so
0: oh what is what is included in one of these? what's included in the ticket price?
1: Everything is included except for airfare okay. um, and gratuities and you know if you want to be having extra glasses of wine at night, let's say everything's okay. included except for airfare and I will say all of their trips that they coordinate, they are on the higher end of the price scale, but with that, you, and I'm not just saying it, you really do get what you pay for.
0: Mm, Um, That's great.
1: Yeah. Even though it may be on the pricier end, it's, the value is well, well, well worth it. And like when we went to the Galapagos, we had a class four naturalist that stayed with us the entire week and was traveling around with us, which was great. And it feels, and that's true for the other locations we were at basically you are given someone who is from that place and it really feels like an old friend is showing you their home mm-hmm. rather than just like a tour guide <laughs> the very stereotypical you know Hawaii Japanese tour bus that drops a hundred people off and says be back here at 4 p.m and we'll pick you up right so it, yeah. it really does feel intimate and personalized and fosters that connection that you and I were just talking about yeah they actually do guide you Totally. Yeah. Cool.
0: Well, that's awesome. I've been wanting to go on one of those retreats forever, so I'll have to think about my bucket list and where I want to go, so we can talk these ladies into coordinating a trip for us. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I think I didn't completely answer your question, but oh, so they've vetted out a handful of location locations across the globe, so I get to choose from any of those locations.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. But
1: if let's say. I wanted to go to whatever place I could put in a recommendation and say, hey, you guys should find out about this place. Let's do it. Yeah, because I
0: mean, I'm sure they add on. It's not like they just have the list and then it's just done forever. Um, Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So is there any more words of wisdom you would like to share when it comes to traveling, when it comes to yoga, especially in the context of the two together?
1: They're both things that make me very happy. <laughs> and I guess as far as advice, like do the things that make you happy. Like if travel is something that causes or induces anxiety for you, then don't be traveling a ton.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Good advice.
1: <laughs> but, um, I guess that's more of life advice, right? Just mm-hmm. do the things that actually bring you contentment and joy. And for me, that is travel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm that's movement, whether it's mountain biking or yoga asana or whatever it is, but do the things that light you up and do it out of joy rather than obligation. And I think that's been a really big life lesson for me, especially with that transition from engineering career to yoga career, which that was a lesson I wasn't really anticipating it to be. I'm choosing the career path of yoga teacher although it's not as luxurious as it may always sound, it felt like a really, like I was doing it for me versus there's this parental or societal expectation of I've gone to school for this specific career, so now I have to follow this career path. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's a bigger separate conversation, but I am so, so glad that I had enough guts to actually pull the trigger and do that, but also that I had the support of my loved ones to pursue that decision.
0: Yeah. So lucky. I just wanted to skip back on, on one thing that you said, which is the, you know, doing things out of joy. I think that's one of the things that's so great about traveling is, you know, I rarely have I ever been like, well, I'm going to do this because I'm going to get this like particular like reward at the end. The reward is doing the thing. Yeah, The word is traveling. So it's, it's just one of those awesome experiences that you get to have that is not linked to any particular outcome. It's just, you just get to go and enjoy.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that really is the, I mean, there's the, ter- the Sanskrit word vairagya, which in itself means non-attachment to the outcome. Mm-hmm. And it's often paired with another Sanskrit word, abhyasa, which means have consistent practice over a long period of time Mm -hmm. without the attachment to the outcome, Yeah, (laughs) which is, it can be a hard pill to swallow. Like on the surface, it sounds like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, don't be attached. But a good example might be, you know, working towards a specific posture. If I just keep doing this, this pose, if I keep trying it over and over and over at some point, I'll get it, which yes, you might. And that is the expectation but don't be attached to the actual pose. So if you keep practicing over and over and over, if I keep practicing splits over and over and over, the assumption would be that, okay, well, in five years, I'll be able to do the splits. And anatomically, actually, no, my body's not going to be super happy if I force it to do the splits. So not being attached to the outcome, and it's just such a nice parallel with what you're saying with travel, you know, I love to travel for the process of it not because I'll have pictures at the end or have met a very specific person it's yeah. the process of it
0: Yeah it's it's a journey just you know traveling is a journey just like yoga is a journey Yeah maybe that's maybe that's another parallel too you know like for yoga it there's never a, an ending and also with yoga asana there's you know I mean I know from experience that I am probably going to work on handstand or jump throughs or there's a specific <laughs> handful of things that yeah. I'm just gonna work on my entire life and probably <laughs> never achieve. Yeah. And but I I don't care. You know, like that's not the reason why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I love yoga. And yeah. so um, I don't even I don't even try that hard most of the time because yeah. I really just wanna just be there and just be moving and, and it's really not even about that. You know, yeah, so, but it's good to push yourself too, and that's why the poses exist. I think. Well, one of the reasons why.
1: And wouldn't life just be so much easier if I could just check the box off and say check done it right, right? <laughs> and and, it,
0: and again, it's like the like in in real life, like things aren't yeah. like that either. You know, no. like you, you can rarely just check a box off and just be like, okay, did that done? Move on to the next.
1: And as great as it would be, I'm going to argue against myself and say. No, I don't want it to be like that because if I could just check the box and be done with the practice or done with the personal development, then I wouldn't stay interested in it. So.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. You don't want it to ever. To me, personal development is so interesting, and you're always learning. That I don't want it to end. Like it's fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Agree. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one reason I really enjoy getting older is I just continue to learn more about how much. I have to learn. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're always uncovering something new, getting a little wiser each day. And, and then that's kind of rewarding in itself as well. Totally. So like, oh, wow. I've come a long way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, can, we, can you um, tell our listeners how they can connect with you and learn more about your classes and teacher yeah,
1: training? Yeah, totally. Um, My website is kiltyyoga.com, K-I-L-T-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. You can always reach out to me there. I will personally answer. I don't have an assistant as fancy (laughs) as I would love to be able to say that I I do, but I don't. So any emails that you shoot, I will personally respond to you because they come straight to my inbox. And if you're more of a social media person, millennial here, absolutely. My Instagram is KiltiYoga or at kiltyyoga. So yeah, those are probably the best ways to reach out. And thank you, Sarah. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's Yeah, thank you for coming on. It's always, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but (laughs) but I absolutely love the brief conversations that we have before and after classes and I always want more. So it's been nice to have more with you on the podcast. Oh,
0: agreed. And speaking of classes, run the gamut real quick. Where yeah. are you teaching and, and what days and times? So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I teach at Power Yoga Hawaii, which is in Honolulu, right next to Ala Moana on Sunday mornings at 8 AM, Wednesdays at 5 15. I teach on the North shore in Haleiwa in Wailua at the co-op on Mondays and at Sunset Rec Center on Wednesdays. And then I also teach in Kailua on Sunday evenings at 4 15 and Tuesday evenings at 6 PM. So it's,
0: and that studio is called hot yoga by right. the sea, correct?
1: Yes. Hot okay. yoga by the sea.
0: Cool. Which is also a, a really sweet little studio.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. A little,
0: little hole in the wall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. It sure is a purple hole in the wall. Yeah. Thank you
0: so much. Guilty. Ah,
1: oh, thank you, Sarah. And I hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Now, I'd love to hear from
0: all you listeners out there. So please let me know what you thought of the show and if you have any topics or questions that you'd like me to tackle on the show. The team of Yoga Unplugged and I are here for you. So please let us know. And if you'd like to join in on the conversation with us, you can subscribe to our newsletter at yogaunplugged.org. Find us on Facebook at Yoga Unplugged by Jennifer Reuter. Reuter is spelled R-E-U-T-E-R. Or connect with us on Instagram at yoga underscore unplugged. Thanks for listening, everyone. Namaste.